Welcome to What's Going On, the weekly podcast and videocast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of What's Going On. I'm Pastor Katie here at First United Methodist in Yankton, South Dakota, and I'm glad you could join me for this episode. This is the episode that you've been waiting for. Um, Today I have with me Cassie Nagel, who is the director of River City Domestic Violence Center. Welcome, Cassie. Thank you so much for having me and and for being patient with me. (laughs) Well, we understand uh, that that, um, sickness goes around, and and it's always the priority to be healthy. So. so today I'm going to uh, have Cassie share with us a bit about River City Domestic Violence Center. And part of the reason we have her here is February, as uh, every year during February, our church uh, does something called the Sweetheart Tree, where we collect items uh, to donate to River City. And so this is something we've been, I don't even know how many years. I mean, this is something that was predates me. Oh, wow. Um, it's It's been a well-established thing in our church that every February, this is this is what we do. Um, yeah, so, uh, so that's part of why we want to um, talk about what River City does, the work that they do, and ways that we can continue to support them. And so, Cassie, how long have you been at River City? <laughs> well, um, I have to count the months. Um, I, I think I'm at about nine months. Okay. So I would say I'm still uh, very much the newbie around there. Um, started in, I think, May of last year. And yeah. so uh, really starting to feel like I have my feet underneath me a little bit um, and not quite so just new, right? Everything's right. new. Everything's unknown. I don't, I don't love being... Um, not the person who knows all the things right. in a right. space. And yes. so that is a pretty uncomfortable space for me to be in. <laughs> but um, I am blessed to have an amazing staff, uh, a great board who has all helped me on board and, and wonderful community partners as well. So it's been a really, it's been a really cool nine months. So why don't, uh, for anybody who maybe is not aware, I know we have some new people in our church that are new to Yankton. Um, maybe in a nutshell, what, what is River City? What do what do you do? What kind of services do you provide? Great question. Um, and a lot of people, I, I find, don't know <laughs> all the things that we do and offer. Um, so we are River City Domestic Violence Center, and we also have River City uh, Family Connections. Okay. And so we sort of have two sides of the house, if yeah. you will. Um, on the Family Connections side, we really support uh, families and and kiddos to have access to both parents, even if mom and dad are going through a a difficult divorce or separation. Um, So in the instance where there is a custody issue and perhaps one parent is either court ordered um, or just it's agreed upon that they have supervised visitation, um, they're not quite ready to do that visitation on their own, uh, we are able to do that. So we have a really safe place. We have a safe place. It's really kid friendly. and it allows, so anybody who's, who's been through a divorce, even if it's not a, a really um, acrimonious divorce, knows it's a, it's a hard time. It's one of the hardest yeah. things that people can go through. Um, and so oftentimes even just that exchange, mm. right, coming together to, to pass the child from one household yeah. to the next can be a really stressful event. Yeah. Um, and so what we also offer is 
that um, that safe exchange. And so what that means is just custodial parent comes to one door, non-custodial comes to another door, um, and then we transport the child from one to the next. So essentially, the parents don't have to see each other. They don't have to have that rise in stress level. Right. The child doesn't have to feel right. that, you know, why, why is mom or dad so upset when right. the other parent is around? Should I be upset? Should I feel a type of way, right? So it, it really just facilitates a safe exchange for kiddos. Um, and then if there is an issue, perhaps a, a history of, of abuse or neglect, um, where a judge or the court has ordered supervised visitation, then we have this this really great location where kids can come and still have access to that parent, which is important. Yes. Um, and that parent still has access to that child, and they can work on that bond and, and keep that bond uh, going. But we are able to monitor via um, cameras and microphones um, and to just make sure that 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 is a safe right. visit for that yeah. child. So they still have access, but it's done in a way that is safe. Um, and then most of the time, you know, families are able to, to move on and do visitation outside of our, right. our location after some time. It just creates those healthy boundaries. Yes, yeah. yes. And really, I think, moves a family through that really tough time. Right. Um, a lot of times, even though the divorce or the separation period is is maybe really, really hard, um, and and parents are not the, their best selves in that moment, with a little bit of time, with some support, they can right. move on to a healthier a post-divorce relationship. And then you're not also trying to repair anything that happened in that yes. stressful time yes. as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's wonderful. So really the Family Connections is doing doing some really great work in, in trying to um, create and maintain healthy family connections. Yes. Yes. Hence the name. <laughs> hence the name. I'm getting it now. Uh, hence the name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Makes sense. So, <laughs> then on the other side of the house, we have um, our our survivor support services. And so there we really come alongside and support survivors of domestic violence, human trafficking, sexual assault, um, elder abuse, uh, it, really any type of sort of violence, okay. like that interpersonal violence. Um, and we, we offer a number of services to them. So most people know about the, the shelter. Right. right. I would say that's probably what most people connect yes. the name with. Yeah. So we do have a, a shelter. We have um, 12 beds currently in the shelter. And it's a shared living space. So we have uh, four individual rooms. Each room, bedroom has their own bathroom, but then they have a shared living space. So kitchen, living room, um, playroom, dining room, all of that is shared, a, a play area outside. Um, so we uh, can house quite a few. We typically try to give people their own room. Right. Um, but we have, because our need has been so high in the past, uh, especially the past season, end of, end of last year, um, through the holidays, we actually did decide to double up our single guests um, because we just needed to make the room. Right. Obviously, if there's kids involved, they get their own room. Right. We don't share rooms with kiddos. Um, but so we've had in uh, October, November, December, we, we had about um, 13 in shelter. So 
And is that coming just from Yankton City, Yankton County? Where is that Great Where is that pulling from? So we actually cover a seven-county area. Mm. We have a pretty big footprint. Okay. Um, so we cover essentially from uh, Charles Mix over to Union County okay. and then up to the lower half of um, Turner and Hutchinson. And okay. So everything in between. Um, so that includes supporting two college campuses, USD right. and um, Mount Marty. Um, so we do have we have quite a we have quite a footprint, right. um, and, but we do have a lot of work to do to to let those outlying communities know that we're we're there for them as well. I think sometimes right. our name River City makes it feel like Yankton feels like a Yankton yeah. thing. Yeah, <clears throat> um, but we do get quite a few um, calls and and uh, clients from from well, that area. It's interesting that you, I, I didn't realize that um, you're also covering different types of abuse. And the one that really stood out to me was elder abuse that yeah. I don't think I would have thought to contact you for no. if I saw something like that. And so if someone is seeing or encountering or experiencing something like that, how do they um, find out about what you do? How do they know if what they're going through is something that you can help with. Yeah, that is a great question um, and part of the, the work that we have right. to do. So things like this are great. Yeah. Um, really any, I, I say this everywhere I go, but any audience that you're willing to put me in front of, right. um, I'm happy to come and talk about what we offer because a lot of people don't understand. Right. A, they don't understand the full breadth of services that we offer and who we support. Um, so beyond shelter, I can talk about what else we, we offer for services, but also... Um, there's a real misconception about what domestic violence is. And I would say even what sexual assault is. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do in terms of community education and awareness to help uh, understand really what are we talking about. I think when people think about domestic violence, they think about physical abuse. Right. right? So there's a bruise. It's physical. Right. Um, and certainly that is a big part of it. But domestic violence is so much bigger than that. Right. And what we know when we work in this space is that physical violence is often the last resort. So There's been other abuses <clears throat> that lead to that one. Yes, yeah. It's a ramping up. It's cyclical, mm. right? So there's um, oftentimes... So I, I often introduce myself as both the director but also a survivor. Um, I am a survivor of both domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, and with domestic violence, especially, or, or just interpersonal violence, unhealthy relationships, whatever you want to term it, yeah. um, whatever helps you sort of connect with it and not put up a wall, is um, that there's really this this up and down, right? It's not all bad. It's right. it, We often hear questions of like, well, why do they stay or why didn't they leave? Um, And it's really important that we we change that line of questioning, right? Why do they harm? Why do they seek to control? Why do they seek power in that relationship? Um, Because people stay because there's love there oftentimes. This is um, oftentimes a long relationship. And it didn't start out with abuse. It started out with um, connection with connection yeah. and love and um, but there's this there's this up and down cycle of these high highs and these low lows and oftentimes what happens in that cycle is the highs get lower and so do the lows and so if you put oh, it on a graph right it's yeah. like it's just continually going lower and lower and um, 
many people have heard the stat it takes about on average seven times for someone to leave an abusive relationship and that's why well but also all the yeah I, I that's a really great visual but I and what I've heard too is um, you know you have to go through the that you have your own you know well they didn't really mean it or mm-hmm. I deserve like you have to work through yes. all of those excuses as well because you kind of can go back to those and also it's it's what you know it's it's there's there's a a weird sort of comfort in the known yes even if the known is terrible absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah um, I was just talking with our senator Jean Hanoff about this as we were talking about some legislation that um, it's there's there's an economic right. issue at hand, but there is very much that um, people leave and they start to understand all of the impact that this is going to have on their life, right? Yeah. Um, and when you're comparing, you have two really hard options. Right. But there's a hard that you know, that you've navigated probably for years, and there's a hard that is unknown. And to take the path of the hard that is unknown, that's a tough choice to make. And especially if you don't have resources, if you don't have a support system or network, if you feel and maybe are truly doing it alone. um, You know, and those are are often the women uh, or, or folks that we get in shelter. Right, because if you have a support system, if you have a support network, you likely have a better option than shelter. Right now, for some, the danger is so great uh, that it it's unsafe. They may have a support system nearby, but it's unsafe to even stay with a friend or mom. Or right. um, it's it's that heightened um, that that shelter is the safest because we are a secure facility. Um, we work very closely with local law enforcement, um, our security system is tied into the, the law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, the police department. So it, it is a very safe right. location. And, and what we know is that when people do leave a relationship, an abusive relationship, that leaving is the most volatile time. It's the most dangerous time. And as a, as a community, and not just Yankton, but the, the wider sort of seven county area, we've experienced that. As a community, we've seen the loss of life when people attempt to extricate themselves from an abusive relationship. Would you say that there, I mean, you talked at the end of last year that you had so much that you were kind of doubling up on the singles for for, um, shelter. Mm -hmm. Has there been a rise in, or just, how do you see what's going on there? (laughs) It's really hard to tell sometimes. So, um Again, in, in this work, there's a when we're getting the calls, it is a good thing because people know about us. Right. Right. Because we know this problem has existed for right. it's not a, matter a very of, long time. It's probably not a matter of that there's more of it happening, but that more people are utilizing yeah, the services. Utilizing the resources, reporting it. Um, we've seen an uptick in people getting protection orders, okay. which, again, I, I take as a uh, a positive that people are seeing that there are resources available and they're taking the steps to to continue to take a step forward. Um, I, I think even when we think about um, when school started at USD and there was a, a rash of reports of 
of sexual assaults. Mm. It, it's easy as a community to go, oh my gosh, what's happening? It was always happening. Right. The good news is that now we know about it, which means that we can do something, something about can it. Something can be done. We can address yeah. it. We right. can respond to it. Um, so it, it is a little bit hard to, to say yeah. reports are up. Is the problem worse? Is it getting worse? Um, I think the problem's always been there. It, it, people are getting more connected to resources. People are learning more about this, and it's mm-hmm. less accepted, I Good. think. Um, also, though, I think part of that is that we have such a housing crisis here. That the, there's really no other option. They have yeah. nowhere else to go. Yeah, and it's taking them longer. So a big part of what we do when clients are in shelter is our focus is not only on just getting them to feel a sense of safety and security, um, but getting safe housing um, and moving towards economic freedom, whatever right. that looks like, either getting um, the, the resources that they need, getting a job. Um, so those are two of our, our biggest uh, priorities when they're with us. Um, there isn't much for housing, um, and certainly uh, to find affordable housing right. for a single individual um, or a indiv- single individual with kids um, it is very difficult. So that process is taking longer, which means they're staying with us longer. Um, and so that's a big part of, I think, why we were so full for so right. long. Um, but that is, again, the, the economic part of it is a big piece of this. Right. Um, and when we talk about other forms of abuse, financial abuse is also a big piece of the puzzle before they leave. I think that's one that, that probably should get talked about more often of yes, what that should. looks like. That's one that's... in. In the work that I do around like premarital counseling, that becomes a big conversation because we we know that um, arguments and disagreements around finances are one of the biggest stresses in mm-hmm. any relationship, whether healthy or not. Yes. And so to be able to kind of lay a healthy groundwork for that and how do you communicate and how do you understand and how do you um, create a system that that. Uh, works for the couple mm-hmm. um, but that's been and that's such a hard one people don't want to talk about their money no I mean I think that's pretty ingrained right in us right that it's um, it's inappropriate or, or untoward to talk about right. money um, but it is again all of this what we talk about in domestic violence or interpersonal violence is really about power and control right where do people have or share power and control um, and so in a relationship, especially, it's navigating where's the partnership here? Where does right. everyone, even though you're coming together in a, in a couple situation, in a family situation, where's the autonomy so that you, you do have Where's your say. voice? <laughs> yeah. You have a voice yeah. and you're present yes. in that decision. Yeah. Right? Um, and because we don't talk about it, I think it is very... Um, often and easy for people to fall into um it might be easier to let one person sort of make the decisions in the beginning and then it becomes harder to gain that voice back or or you know the shame that comes around with having debt or things like that it's always fascinating to me how um when we start to kind of address one issue how it's always connected to everything else you start pulling this thread you know, so like you talk about the economic, uh, and, and that's so true that housing, the lack of affordable housing in Yankton touches so many things. And, and um, you know, like if you talk with 
pathways and and the struggles that they have in trying to get people out of homelessness that's a big part of their struggle and it's a big part of you know the cost of living now you know so i work also with the contact center and Mm -hmm. part of what they're seeing is people who maybe have housing but it takes up so much of their yes you know so like it's just amazing to me how all of these are interrelated and how all of these um agencies and nonprofits and um in, in a lot of ways you're tackling the same issues yes, we are. just in in mm-hmm. different as in different ways yeah. in coming at it yeah i think that's really um a profound point to to talk about which is that um and this is where i come to this work as a survivor with my own experience um but my my education my history um has really been working in more macro prevention mm-hmm. efforts um and it what you're saying is the reason that I went into right. prevention is because when I went back to school um, after my experience and I, I just, after my family went through what it went through, I, I just wanted to be able to use that to, right. to, to fix it. I'm a fixer. <laughs> I was just, I'm just going to fix it. <laughs> well, we're in, we're in helping professions. I mean, yes. that's, that's what we do. Yeah. So I went back to school and that was, that was what I began to understand is that domestic violence does not occur in a vacuum. Right. Sexual assault does not occur in a vacuum. Um, homelessness does not occur in a vacuum. Gun violence. Right. All of these things are so interconnected. Right. Um, and when we look at the roots of them, that's where we have such an opportunity for transformational change as a community. Because when we invest in prevention, which is hard to get people um, to buy into, because you can't... um, People feel really good and like warm and fuzzy when they when they help a family Mm -hmm. that, you know, is struggling. And I, I appreciate that. I get that. You can't point to what didn't happen. So if we prevent it, right, I don't have a face, right, of of what's been prevented, right. right? We we have to take well, a little bit of that on hope, and, and you faith. can't you can't track that because it didn't happen, right. You can track it over a long period of time, right? right? right. When you see rates go when down, rates going down, but yeah, you can't. But you have to have a lot. You of can't point and, and say the thing that we did made it so that thing didn't happen right like you don't have that it's ability. not that clear cut yeah 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 so but i i do that is my passion is why i i am excited to take that history and experience into community mm-hmm. and direct service work is because i think it's so important um and meaningful i think that if we as a community really come around this idea of prevention we can make a difference and when yes. You invest in prevention. The things um, that we know on a community or social level that reduce rates of sexual assault and domestic violence are also the things that reduce <laughs> right. um, income inequality, are also the things that reduce homelessness, are also the things that reduce yeah. crime and teen pregnancy and mental health issues and physical health issues. Yeah. So you don't... like. Me working in prevention reduces all of those things yeah. all at once, and it's and it's one of the reasons that we all you know, are connected and and yes. and supporting each other and doing that work together. And that's one of the things I've loved about being in Yankton is getting yeah. uh, to know kind of the different entities and the ways in which they're not in competition with each other. Right. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it might feel like that in December when they're all asking for money, <laughs> yes. but um, but really they're all doing that work together and yeah. all seeing the same things and understanding that all of them are related. That's one of, um, you know, I work on the board of the Servant Hearts Clinic. And one yes. of the things we noticed was, you know, the, the demographic of people who are coming in there and, and the opportunities there to to be witness to and to connect people to the domestic violence center mm-hmm. because they might be coming there mm-hmm. rather than coming to the clinic mm-hmm. or something if they're having, yeah. you know. So it's just really fascinating how, <clears throat> and, and I think really great how, because we're kind of still that small town, that, yep. that we're all working together on this. Yeah. And then the other thing that you said that made me smile is um, you said that to make a difference. And we have just finished, um, we launched a new vision and mission for our church this year. And I just finished the sermon series on it. And our so our vision is to be a church of hope, healing, and belonging that oh, loves love and that. serves all through Christ our Lord. And really taking seriously the piece about healing because we recognize that everyone has within them things that are hurting, things mm-hmm. that are um, that have caused them pain, that have caused a lot of things. Everyone has that. And how can we as the church be supporting um, ways in which people need to heal? And recognizing that there's, again, just as you said, there's a variety of kinds of um, uh, violence and assault and abuse. There's a variety of kinds of brokenness that needs healing. But then our mission um, to go along with that is um, to inspire all to seek God, <coughs> to grow in their faith, to discover their purpose, to serve others, to make a difference. And so that was the last one that we just did this Sunday was about how are we called to make a difference? Not just in our own lives. We believe faith should should make a difference in our own lives, but really our faith should propel us to make a difference in our world. Absolutely. As United Methodists, we say that uh, the point of us being disciples of Jesus is to help transform the world. And United Methodists throughout our history have always been very involved in things in social change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, been involved in establishing schools and hospitals and, and trying to to look at that bigger picture and that macro level of it's not enough to just offer grace in the moment, but we have to work toward asking those deeper questions of why does this keep happening mm-hmm. um, and yeah. what can we do? And so to me, like, this just fits very, very yeah. well with who we are as a church and the things that we um, are really focusing on moving forward. I love so, that. Yeah. I love that. So <laughs> I, in, in full transparency, uh, faith is something that really, and, and probably more uh, specific uh, religion, is something that really, for myself and, and what I've heard from a lot of survivors, is something that takes a big hit. Uh, when you go through yeah. this, um, and so it's it's been a journey for me to sort of figure out where my faith lies because the foundation of it was really sort of torn down, right? In what I experienced, um, and so rebuilding that sort of um, as an adult and taking the good and leaving the the bad if you will has been such a journey but i i just love listening to what you're saying about your mission and your vision because i do think that even though um how i identify in my religious or faith practice has changed over the years um and i think is still a journey i'm on 
well, for all um, of us, honestly. What yeah. I do recognize is that who I am was very much informed by who I was taught Jesus Christ was yeah. in, in the world. Um, and I, I, the Jesus that I knew, I guess, or, or know, is um, a Jesus that is radical mm-hmm. and that challenges systems of power. And um, yeah. so it's always interesting to me to see how I, I butt heads with some of my family. Well, so... <laughs> around that it's you, you're leading right into but so we just finished that series uh this this week is ash wednesday beginning of lent and so for the lenten season which is the next six weeks we are doing a series called um untangled mm. and it's all about that process that you just described of our faith and our concepts of God and religion are all tangled up with our relationships with each other, what we've been taught, what we've, you know, maybe traditions or churches that we grew up in, whether positive or negative. Um, and, And having to, as we grow deeper in our faith, untangle some of those experiences, some of those, um, things that have left a bad taste in our mouth. And let's yeah. be honest, we have all had those, including <laughs> me. Um, and, and finding what is true and what is real and, and finding the, the core of our faith once again and that that which is truly God. <coughs> and so we're going to be spending the next six weeks doing that work because, again, to me, that's part of our job is mm-hmm. healing. Because yeah. I've, I've encountered so many people, even right here in Yankton, who... Um, who have left the faith or left church or left their church because of either things that they were taught that was not helpful because let's be honest, spiritual abuse is also a thing that happens. It is a real thing. Um, And it's a a very hard thing to recover from Mm -hmm. um, because there's an, again, when you talk about that power, um, it's one of the reasons that... um, I love being, again, I love being United Methodist. I chose to be United Methodist, but we have systems in place that check power. Mm -hmm. So I don't have absolute power. Um, And thank the Lord. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not only am I checked and balanced by the church, but also by, I've got people above me who are keeping me held accountable. We we have so many levels of accountability in place Mm -hmm. um, to hopefully curb that. It doesn't always, but... but it's important to recognize and name that there's been harm done and that people carry that in along with their faith. And sometimes, and for some people, um, there's never been a safe place or a safe time to name it or talk about it or explore it. Um, and I want us to be a church that, that does that work. Yeah. And I especially think about like what you said, people who've gone through these really terrible experiences and maybe their faith had some part of telling them that they need to stay in, mm-hmm. in that abusive place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would love for our church and I would love for all churches to be a place yeah. where people can find healing from that and, and ask those hard questions and do have a place and people that can, they can do that work with of separating out. This isn't really what God wants. Um, this is something that was taught. Uh, and what, what is it that God truly wants for your mm-hmm. life? And, and I'll tell you, it's never, it's never abuse. It's never it's, abuse. Um, and so that's just been a really big thing on my heart this year and things that I've seen uh, in the work that I've been doing yeah. and what's led us to where we are today. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> it's so exciting. Yeah. Because I do think when, when I think about um, 
River City Domestic Violence Center cannot do this work alone. Right. We are not uh, equipped. We are not big enough. Right. We cannot be everything in this in this space. And um, the the issue of interpersonal violence is not an individual issue. Right. Uh, so so our our main priority is responding to the individual needs of of survivors, particularly survivors in crisis. Right. Um, we know though that that this problem exists because there are individual risk factors and protective factors there are relational risk factors and protective factors there are community and there are social risk factors and protective factors so we have to untangle this problem yes, yes. at every level and yeah. and so while we're working very closely on the individual level we have to have community partnerships we have to have the whole community on right. board to untangle these right. dynamics in all those other spaces um and so i i love hearing you talk about doing that mission and vision work cuz we're also doing that right yes. now um and where we're really going is a vision that um you know, I think our vision, our mission for for a long time has been to create a safe haven, and I think we've done that. Yeah. Um, so, what's the next? My step? leadership yeah. now, my vision, and a vision that I, I I have support of our staff and board is really where do we go from yeah. here, right? Um, and that to me is leading community change towards healthy relationship dynamics, yeah. right? Let's stop talking about the problem and start talking about the solution. Yeah. And the solution is that we have to talk about what is a healthy relationship. Right. What should we expect in our friendships, in our <laughs> in our parent-to-child yes. relationships, in um, let alone, you know, dating and romantic and, and right. marriage. Um, because our marriages are informed by you know, how, how we related with our parents and how we saw our parents relate to each other and how we relate with our friends. Um, even in our workplaces, right. You're talking about how your power is checked and and balanced within this workplace Yes, as is mine. Right. right? And appropriately it should be. Right. Um, Should always be. Continuing to transform. What does leadership look, look like? And leadership should not be about power and control in my Right. Humble opinion. It, it should, should be, be about, I have, I, I'm in leadership. That means I have the responsibility. Right. And I you're the there to serve. I'm there to serve. Yeah. I am there to make sure that my staff is well taken care of mm-hmm. so that they can take care of clients. Yeah. Uh, our board is there to make sure that we are taken care of mm-hmm. so that we can serve clients. It, it all goes to the clients, but it is about responsibility. Right, not authority. Not authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think, is just where I'm really excited to see yeah. how we can move into that space working with community partners like yourself, working yes. with, um, again, like you said, all churches, ideally, right. yes. to, to think about... Um, I get on a soapbox and I just start going, you know, with all of the ideas. But I, I do think that um, our community is full of people who want to see good, yes. who want to see people win, yeah. you know. And so if we work together, that, that can happen. Yeah, and I think you're right. It's painting that vision of this is what it can look like. Yeah. And here's, here's, here's how we're going to 
we're going to start to work toward that. That's been a lot of our, we talk about our vision is the target of that's what we want. And our mission is how are we going to get there? How are we mm-hmm. going to make that happen? What are the things that we're going to use as our guidelines for making decisions moving forward mm-hmm. to on what our focus is going to be so that we can work toward living more and more into our vision every single day. Absolutely. So, yeah. Awesome. I I mean, I could honestly keep this conversation going. (laughs) Um, But I am so grateful, Cassie, for you coming and and sharing. And I think we do need to keep this conversation going. And so I'd love to. Yeah. um, Maybe what we'll do is invite you back uh, periodically and get you in front of whatever groups we can get you in front of. Absolutely. I would love that. Uh, And if you are part of groups in the community and you haven't had a chance to have Cassie come and speak, uh, please contact her. Contact me. I can get you connected by any means. Um, and then, uh, again, don't forget that this coming Sunday, uh, does mark the beginning of the Untangled series here at the church, uh, that we'll be working through for the season of Lent. And then through February, uh, we are taking donations for the River City and that goes toward the families that are, um, and so, uh, please get those in. You'll see that in our lounge area, there is that kind of heart themed, um, table. That's where our missions are. <clears throat> and then also, I don't want you to forget uh, very quickly, we do have pledge cards now for uh, the roof that we are needing to fix. Um, also, if you've made it this far, <laughs> do you know what room we're recording in? We are in the church. Uh, I will give you a hint that the roof that needs to be fixed is above our heads. Um, and so if you, bonus points, if you can tell me what room we are recording in, um, You'll get something for me. I've said that before. I said the first five people and something. It took like two weeks before people actually responded. So I'm curious if you know where we are. Um, and so with that, again, thank you so much, Cassie. Uh, it was certainly worth the wait. To I have appreciate you. All right. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of What's Going On. We'd love to have you join us for worship here at the church on Sundays at 10 a.m., You can also find us online via our website at firstumcyankton.org or search for us on YouTube.